Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, Celebration family. What is good? I don't know what you said, but it sounded great. So I can tell you what's good. It is good to be in this room with you today. My name is Jono Zanting. My mother calls me Jonathan. Everybody else calls me Jono. So you pick. It's up to you. And in April of 2018, I moved here to Edmonton from Winnipeg, Manitoba with my wife, Nicole, and our three fabulous children, Julia, Riley, and Caleb. Cue photo. Oh, look. Well done, team. Well done. Um, Nicole and I have been married 22 years. Julia is 17, and Riley is 14. Caleb is 11. And then Oliver and Sadie are two fur babies. Any dog lovers in the room? All right. Any cat haters in the room? We can be friends. It's good to see you. And uh, I got to just tell you for a minute, when we moved here in 2018... We didn't bring people with us, and uh, your pastors, Pastors Dennis and Leslie Vardy, were the only pastors that we knew and had a relationship with here in the city of Edmonton. And we spent the first few months, uh, we decided to just visit different expressions of Jesus' kingdom every weekend with our kids, just to get a sense of, God, what are you building in this city that you've called us to? You know, my kids just kept wanting to come back here. And uh, um, But on a serious note, you know, transitioning your kids uh, to a new city is hard. And through the leadership of this house, through the, the open-handed, kingdom-minded heart of your pastors, Pastors Dennis and Leslie and the team here, and especially our daughter, daughter our daughter Julia, um, she found her foothold in a small group uh, through Risen, through this house. And uh, you, you loved and served our family in transition and helped us kind of find our foothold in a new city. And and, and since then, have just been so open-handed with people and resources and ideas and creativity. And we just love what's on this room. We love how you steward the message of Jesus in a way that just honors the kingdom and the work of the Spirit. And it is a real honor and a privilege to be in the room today. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, if, you, if you have a Bible, we're going to be in 1 Kings 19 in uh, a short story. 1 Kings 19, verses 19 through 21. If you don't have a Bible with you, I'm not going to judge you harshly for not bringing your Bible to church, but uh, it'll be on the screen so you can follow along. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. Anybody expecting a baby? It's a great, great biblical name, Emma. <laughs> Little baby Shaphat. Son of Shaphat plowing a field. I'm sorry. There, there were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah and said to him, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I'll go with you. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I've done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. I apologize to all the vegans in the room. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate 
And then he went with Elijah as his assistant. This crazy story from the Old Testament, I would like to just sort of pull out three ideas from this story on how do we navigate and embrace seasons of change in our life. If it's for change that the Spirit invites us to live surrendered to Jesus, how do we do that? What's it going to cost us? What's required? Uh, how do we navigate change? Or better, better yet, uh, I've titled this message, Burning Plows and Grilling Cows. So, you know, if you need something catchy, there it is. Burning plows and grilling cows. Can we pray? Father, thank you. Thank you that you are greater than just this moment. Thank you that your heart certainly is for us here in this room. But your heart is for your church and your kingdom. And we sit here in the middle of what you've done over centuries of expanding your church and what you're going to do long beyond us. But this moment matters as we lean into your words, lean into scripture. We do it with a heart that says, change us, God. That we would be a people who refuse to allow these words to just be passing, just to be words on a page. But we consider and invite you to transform our lives by your living word today. Make us different, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Change is hard. If I were to poll the room, my guess is probably a large percentage of this room would say, I'm uncomfortable with change. It's not my favorite. And truthfully, most human beings spend the first 20 to 25 years of their life learning, and then the rest of their days defending what they learned in the first 20 to 25 years. Come on. All the 30-year-olds, you know what I'm talking about. All the 60-year-olds, you're like, that's not true. And your wife's like, yes, it is. We spend the first, you know, couple of decades learning some things, and then the rest of our lives digging in our heels and saying, I'm pretty good. But I can't help but wonder, is there a new season ahead of you? Is there some change coming down the pipeline? But change is hard. Change in our habits, change in our eating habits, change in our fitness habits. It just takes work. I was diagnosed with arthritis in my hip. And you're thinking like, that dude's way too young to have arthritis in his hip. And you're right, I am. But I'm believing for a miracle. And at the same time, I'm riding a bike and swimming in a pool because that's all I'm allowed to do. And my whole fitness world has changed because of this thing. And change is hard. And I don't know what change you're facing, but I'm guessing it's not with like a woohoo season of excitement that you're facing that thing. It's probably with a sense of dread or fear Maybe some worry, some anxiety attached to that. Physical change, fitness change, relationship change. How's your marriage? Maybe you've been coasting for 30 years in a marriage and you're just like, you're beginning to question, like, does this work anymore? And maybe the change that's coming for you isn't to abandon that relationship, but actually to grow in love for one another in a way that honors Jesus all over again. It's gonna take work. It's gonna cost you something but it'll be worth it. What change are you on the threshold of? As human beings, we're actually hardwired to resist change. A part of our brain, the amygdala, is actually, it, it pushes against change in that sort of fight or flight or fear response to protect us. Your body's actually trying to protect you from change. You're like, ah, not right now. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty safe. Why do we resist change? 
Well, for a few reasons, I think maybe we're afraid of what's on the other side. Will it be as good as we hoped it to be? What I've got right now, I'm familiar with, I'm well aware of, even if it's awful, it feels safe. And on the other side, I don't know what it's going to feel like. I don't know what it's going to produce. I don't know what's going to ask of me. And so I'm a little afraid of that, afraid to adopt a new way or abandon what I value up till now. You know, for us, Pastor Joel mentioned that we moved here in 2018 with just a real clear picture and, and clear inkling from God's spirit that we were being asked to come to a city to give life to a new community as a part of what God was already doing through his church in this city. And that change was hard. It cost us everything. We were over 20 years in the same local church. We thought we'd be there for life. And it was the most beautiful experience. And, and to, to say that we had to like leave something we loved was really, really hard. And I've got a big question before I lay down three ideas for you. When it comes to the change that God's leading you into, a new season of work, a new season of ministry, a new season of leadership, a new season of influence. When it comes to the change that God's leading you into, what's it going to cost you to fully embrace a new season of change as you live surrendered and submitted to Jesus? Can you hear the heart of the Father just giving you permission today? It's okay, daughter. It's okay, son. Change is coming. It's what I made you for. It's what I've asked of you. Change is coming. 2 Corinthians 3 puts it this way. Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us, listen to this, the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image, bit by bit. Another version says we are being transformed into the image of Jesus. Change is a necessity as we grow in formation in our spiritual walk with Jesus. Change is what's required. Change is how we live surrendered to the Spirit. Change is how we prove that we trust God more than anything else, even when it costs us something. This growth, this change, as hard as it is, it's the goal. I want to set somebody free today. It's okay. It's okay to leave comfort and security. It's not okay to leave your marriage. We'll talk about that another day. But uh, stay rooted, stay established, keep growing in that. You can talk to Pastor Joel about that, okay? But, uh, you know, change is, is the goal as we move forward in faith. Spiritual growth and maturation look a lot like steady, ongoing change as we become more and more and more like Jesus. That's spiritual growth, and that's the goal. Don't stagnate. Don't stay the same. Don't dig your heels in. But what's it going to cost you? Or better put, what area of your life are you resisting change right now? You're aware. People close to you might even be aware. If you're married in the room, I guarantee your spouse is aware. <laughs> but what area of your life are you resisting change? A change in your habits, a change in your parenting. You're aware that there's a void between you and a daughter or a son, but this is how you've always parented and it got me through so far and I know that this is hard and not working out the way I hope, but this is how I was parented, so I can't change. No, maybe it's time to change your strategy, mom. Maybe it's time to change your, change your strategy, dad. Invite the spirit and help you grow. Soften a heart, become more patient. 
Become a better listener. Don't think you have all the answers. What's required right now in a season of change in your marriage? Is it to humble yourself? What's required in your physical health? What's required for change in your spiritual journey? Maybe you've been feeling just kind of cold in your spiritual walk and you know that you want to just get up 10 minutes earlier in the morning to spend time in scripture and spend some time in prayer. Maybe that's the change that you're being invited into. Maybe the change you're being invited into is to finally get into a group here at Celebration Church or get on team because you know that community is what you were made for and if you don't take some steps to change, it's never going to happen. It's not going to magically drop into your life even if you've been waiting for that to happen, right? Change. What are you willing to change? Sabbath, rest, mental health, spiritual discipline, spiritual practice. Because remember, the enemy wants us left hopeless and helpless and worthless. The enemy, make no mistake, his MO has always been steal, kill, destroy. Always. We shouldn't be surprised by that anymore. But God is with us and God is for us and God is leading us into seasons of change. What's it gonna cost us? How do we navigate this? Christine Kane a year ago wrote these words. I know it's hard to keep going when you can't see where you're going. This is a season where we have to trust God despite what we see and cannot see. She goes on to say, I've never had so many conversations with people who are exhausted, overwhelmed, confused, disillusioned, scared, on the verge of giving up. Isn't that the world we live in right now? Overwhelmed, exhausted, on the edge of quitting. Make no mistake, we have an enemy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. He wants you to feel hopeless, helpless, and worthless. Don't listen to his lies or accusations. You do matter. Your purpose matters. God is for you. God is with you. God loves you. And that's really important to set the foundation and the tone for what the Spirit's leading you into with new things, new growth, new opportunities, new seasons of change. Your purpose matters to the Father. Sometimes we sit in a community or sit in a room like this and we're like, well, I know that person's purpose matters and I know that drummer's purpose matters and I know that that leader's purpose matters, but does my purpose matter? Let me answer that for you. Yes. Yes. And every parent in the room that has a child or children, you see the uniqueness of each child's story and you know that your kids matter. And yet you think in the father's eyes that you don't. Come come on. Let let the father whisper to your heart today, your, your purpose matters. You're in the room here and you're kicking the tires of faith. You're not even sure what you believe. And I want you to know your purpose matters. In the kingdom of heaven, in God's economy, in God's family, your purpose matters. Your purpose matters to the Father and your purpose is greatly impacted by your willing and ongoing surrender to letting scripture and letting the Holy Spirit and letting Christian community provoke you to change, provoke you to grow. So on the edge of God-breathed and necessary change, here's three questions we can ask ourselves from 1 Kings 19. The first one is this. Who do you need to disappoint? Good times. Who do you need to disappoint in order to fully embrace a new season of change that God's calling you into? Who do you need to let down? 1 Kings 19 verse 20 
Elisha left the oxen standing there, runs after Elijah, says, first let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I'll go with you. He sees that there's a relationship coming to an end. It's going to change. And he's probably going to let somebody down. Elijah replied, go back, but think about what I've done to you. Elijah's saying, I've placed my mantle on you. I've invited you into a new calling, into a new ministry, into a new season of change. Consider what I'm calling you into as you realize who you're going to have to let down. The purpose gives us fuel and passion to be okay with ending the necessary relationships. Because other people's expectations are weighty, man. Especially parents. Come on. <laughs> the family has a way of not ever clearly communicating expectations, but we sit under the weight of that and we feel it and we're scared to disappoint people. You might be in the room here or watching online today and you've made a decision to surrender your life to Jesus. And maybe it's cost you relationship with family. They don't understand this new passion you've found. I want to tell you, hang in there. God's got spiritual family. God's got purpose in your story. Hang in there. What change are you resisting in your life right now because you don't want to disappoint somebody or let somebody down? Be honest. What relationships are around you and surrounding you, and you know they are not for your good. You know they are not moving you forward in your purpose and in your passion and in your walk of surrender, living wholeheartedly for the cause of Jesus. Think about it. Allow the Spirit to help see, reveal, show. Lean in. Come on. Who keeps sending you links to YouTube videos that leave your heart feeling helpless? Watch this. Did you hear about this? Buzz, buzz, buzz. Who's like trying to influence your heart towards things that are secondary in the kingdom of heaven, things that don't really matter? Who's trying to confuse your convictions? Who's trying to pull you away from your sense of striving after what God wants for you? Who are you following on social media right now that's trying to influence you away from the cause of the kingdom? It's time for some boundaries. You don't have to give them access to your heart anymore. You don't have to. And I had to learn the hard way. I had to learn the hard way that I'm allowed to care about people, but I'm not allowed to be responsible for their response. I'm allowed to care, but I'm not allowed to carry the burden of responsibility for however they react or respond when I chase after God's heart, God's best. And when it came to his relationships, Elisha was measuring the su success of a sure thing against the whisper of the unknown. The sure thing that he had in family against the whisper of the mantle that Elijah was inviting him into meant he had to disappoint somebody. Go on back, but think about what I've done to you. If you're an Enneagram person, all my lead pastor friends are either Enneagram eights or threes. I don't know why it is. They're just like, they're all eights and threes. I'm a two. I'm a weird. I'm what's called a helper. And what that means is I just really like people a lot and I want to do whatever I can to make sure that people are happy. And when I'm unhealthy, I do things to like please people forsaking pleasing my king. I've made this mistake over the years. And in your pursuit of living in surrender to Jesus, in your pursuit of figuring out what it means to submit all of your best parts and your worst parts to the leadership of King Jesus who loves you and leads you and guides you by his spirit, by his word, in community with others. God's inviting you into change. 
God's inviting you into growth. God's inviting you into something new. Who are you going to have to disappoint? Who are you going to have to let down? Number two, what new relationships do you need in order to fully embrace this season of change? Number two, 1 Kings 19, Elijah walked over to Elisha, threw his cloak on his shoulders, and then walked away. And then he, verse 21, Elisha went with as his assistant. Here's a new relationship that I'm stepping into. And I like this because what's not obvious in this narrative is the demotion and the apparent step backwards that Elisha had to take in order to embrace his new calling. In order to step into a new season of change, he had to say yes to a new relationship. But in saying yes to Elijah, he was saying yes to doing life with a person that most people really didn't like. We have to remember the context of this passage sits right after Elijah, man of faith, goes to the mountaintop, takes on all of the priests of Baal, calls down fire from heaven, and then runs like a scared chicken for his life. Literally, right before this passage, he's sitting under a bush saying, Lord, it's enough. Take my life. I can't, I can't do this anymore. And this is the guy? This is the new relationship that Elisha's saying yes to? The prophet, the man of God that everybody wants dead? Hey, sounds like a good time. Let's, let's link my chain to this guy, right? Let's see where this goes. Elisha left his secure place in family, and in hierarchy, and inheritance. He left it all to submit to another man's calling. It wasn't even his own thing yet. He was wearing Elijah's cloak. He was submitting his life to a guy that everybody else wanted dead. That's career suicide. What's it gonna cost you to fully embrace a new season of change? There are people you're gonna have to disappoint. There are new relationships you're gonna have to embrace. And in the world we live in, culture has a way of saying, embrace the relationships that make you look better. Embrace the friendships and the social circles that kind of elevate your status, right? Come on, we gotta work hard to make ourselves look better than we actually are. That's the world we live in. That's the culture we're in. Are we advancing? Are we being promoted? Are we climbing the ladder? Are we increasing our status? Are we growing our influence and our followers? That's the culture we live in. We look at status and posture and success as the factors that motivate and influence our friendships and relationships, but that is not the way of Jesus. That is not the new kind of relationship that perhaps God wants to lead you into. Elijah was not a popular dude, but Elisha had to leave his secure place in family and in hierarchy and inheritance to submit to another man's calling. Some of you here in this room, I love that Pastor Joel touched on this earlier. There's, there's a trust factor at work. Maybe you've landed in, these, in this room or landed online over the last couple of years and there's hurt and there's betrayal and there's trust that's been broken. And you're asking questions like, is God really as good as Jesus says he is? Do I, can I really belong to family spiritually? Do I fit here? Am I safe here? Does God even know my name? 
And maybe what's next for you is to attach your life to the calling that's on this house. To just say yes. Say yes to being cared for and shepherded by this community. Say yes to putting yourself into a room to risk your heart being broken again, but trusting that God's got you. Trusting that he's led you to the right place. Trust that he is building his church and nothing can stop that. Even humanity at its worst can't stop what Jesus wants to do in bringing you, drawing you into family. And maybe that's the new relationship that God has for you here. Maybe it's to go to next steps next week. Maybe it's to get on team and begin serving. Maybe it is to get into a group. Just be willing to trust the whisper of the spirit. It's okay, son. It's okay, daughter. I got you. The seemingly backwards step that Elisha takes to follow Elijah is actually what catapults him forward into his calling, into his God-breathed purpose. And Jesus invites us to consider the same. The way of Jesus says, hey, you want to be great? Become the servant of all. Assume a lower posture. It's only in Jesus's kingdom that we see a value to embrace the lowly and to embrace the destitute and to embrace the social outcast in the, in the sake of building something beautiful. Only in Jesus's kingdom. What new relationships does God have for you? They may not look what you've determined advancement or success or promotion to be, but that's okay. You're in the right place. God's leading you into new relationships. And number three, and then I'm done. What security and comfort are you willing to sacrifice? What security and what comfort are you willing to sacrifice in order to fully embrace a new season of change? This is going to cost us something. The way of Jesus says, lay it down. Lay it down. Place it at his feet. Isn't that what a picture of living surrendered to Jesus really means? What if it costs you something? What if it costs you everything? So Elijah went and found Elisha. And there were 12 teams of oxen. Elisha's plowing the 12th. And Elijah went over and threw his cloak. And then he left the oxen. And he ran to Elijah and said, First, let me go kiss my father and mother. And so Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. Well, that's extreme. <laughs> I think if it were me, I would just would have, would have run to mom and dad and said, goodbye, I'm leaving now. And if this doesn't work out, I'll be back. But Elisha runs to the very field that he'd been plowing, to the team of oxen that he'd been stewarding. He breaks apart the plow, he lights it on fire, he slaughters the team of oxen and serves it up to everybody there. It's a bold move. He took a hot minute, destroyed the plow, killed the oxen, and roasted them, served them. And the parallel in the picture is, what are the plows that need to be burnt in your life? What's the security that you've been holding on to? to trust the Father? What are the oxen that you need to slaughter and kill? Throw it all to the wind. Say, God, I trust you. I trust you with my life. You're calling me into a new season of spiritual authority. You're calling me into a new season of submission to this house, to the pastors and leaders here. You're calling me into new seasons of serving 
and laying down my life in a way that costs me my time and costs me my energy and costs me my gifts, costs me my resources, but it's for your namesake and for your glory. What's it gonna cost me? Elisha had to burn the plows and grill the cows as if to say, I am moving on from here and there's nothing to come back to. I am moving on from here as I trust God leading me into what's next. Maybe for you it's a habit. A little thing. You know, there are no big things that will destroy your life. There are no big things that will end your marriage. It's just little things left unchecked over time. What habit, what little thing do you need to burn, kill? What addictive tendency have you been hiding that's restraining you to step into God's call on your life, purposes and plans, what he has for you? Lay it down. Maybe it's your pride. Maybe it's your ego that you need to tear apart, light on fire. What piece of your story have you been saying, God, I've got this. I don't need your help. That might be an indicator of the the plow you need to light on fire, the oxen you need to barbecue. Maybe it has something to do with your ego, your pride. Maybe it's a lie that you've believed about yourself for too long. A lie that has you thinking other people matter, but I'm unworthy. Nobody sees me. Nobody knows me. That's a whisper from the pit of hell, a lie from the enemy to steal, kill, and destroy. Maybe it's that lie that you need to recognize and say, Jesus, I lay it down. I lay my whole life down. I lay it down. Maybe it's a secure job. And the security of that job has kept you from starting a business that you've been wanting to start and you know you were supposed to start all these years, a dream that God put in your heart, something unique, and you've just been afraid. Maybe it's that fear and that security that you need to lay it down. What's your thing? God's for your good, yes. But that doesn't mean he's for your ease and your comfort and your simplicity and your security. Don't confuse those two things. Make no mistake. The enemy wants you to feel hopeless, helpless, and worthless. Hopeless in relationship, helpless in job, worthless in your identity. But God says, come on, daughter, come on, son. Lay it down. Lift your hands up. Lay your whole life down. Lay it down before him. What relationships do you need to disappoint? What new relationships do you need to step into? What's it gonna cost you? What's it going to sacrifice? We sang it beautifully earlier today. We stood all across this room, eyes closed, hands raised, and we sang these lyrics. You are the treasure I find, my reason for living. So let my life become an offering to the one who is worthy. Let our lives become an offering to the one who is worthy. Let our relationships become an offering to the one who is worthy. Let our security and our comfort and our fear and the lies we believe, lay it all down. Let it become an offering to the one who is worthy. To the young person in the room, 
that's been feeling like following Jesus is too hard. Maybe that has to do with who you're hanging out with. You've been wondering, can I do this? And today's message simply serves as a reminder that God is for you, even when it's hard. God is for you, even when it costs you something, because your purpose matters to the Father. And your purpose is greatly impacted by your willing surrender to the ongoing work of the Spirit of Christ, to Scripture that we've opened today to remember that even when it's hard, even when we disappoint somebody, even when it costs us something, God is with us and for us. It's for your good, for your purpose. What's it going to cost us to fully embrace new seasons of change as we live surrendered and submitted to Jesus? All across this room, would you stand with me? Hearts open, eyes closed. We do this thing in church where we lift up our hands and sometimes we've wondered what it's for. And to me, it's just the most honest, sincere gesture to invite the Spirit's leadership to touch our hearts. A physical indicator that our lives are not our own. We've been bought with a price. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is over. And as we invite him to lead us into new seasons of change, it's from this place. We love you, Father. I lift my hands up by my whole life down, whole life down for you. I lift my hands up, lay my whole life down. My whole life now is for you. I lift my hands up, lay my whole
Thank you, Jesus. Even when it's hard, even when it costs us something, even when somebody might be disappointed, you are for us, you are leading us. And bit by bit, by your spirit, by your word, in community with other believers, you are asking us to submit to a life of transformation, a life of change. And we're honest enough to say that change is hard and it costs us something and it's not easy. But would you find us faithful stewards of your call? Would you find our lives conduits of your mercy and grace? as we live surrendered and submitted to your heart, to your leadership, to your voice. Would you give us strength to change? Would you give us grace to embrace the new? For somebody in the room, that means deepening your walk with Christ, beginning habits and discipline of spending time with your King. For somebody else listening today, That means leaning into your marriage again. That beautiful relationship that perhaps you've neglected for too long. Unspoken hurt, unspoken expectations. The Holy Spirit wants to bring healing and life to that thing that's felt dead. Lean in, change. Somebody else, it means you need to trust Him more with your gifts and your abilities. You've been holding back because you've been hurt before and you don't want to be hurt again. But this is Jesus' kingdom. You're allowed to care and you're allowed to be responsible for how you respond. Thank you, Father. Every eye closed all across this room. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm so thankful for Jesus. The Bible calls Jesus our reconciliation. And all that means is that Jesus and Jesus alone restored your relationship with the Father and resolved all the conflict that sin wants to create in your life. He restored it. He resolved it. Jesus. And the idea of surrendering and submitting your life to the whisper of the Spirit, to the leadership of the Father, begins with full stop laying down your whole life in submission to the person we call Jesus Christ. And if you're in this room or watching from home and you've never made a decision to surrender your life to Jesus, you've never made a decision to go all in and lay every part of your life at the feet of Jesus. We want to give you that opportunity today before we close. In a moment, I'm going to pray a simple prayer, a prayer of faith, a prayer of invitation. And every voice around you is going to pray this prayer out loud with you. Every voice watching from home. Many of us at some point have come to this place of surrendering our lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Come to this place of realizing that on my own strength, I can't do this anymore. I no longer have to fight to wonder if God knows me. I no longer have to fight to think, am I being good enough? Jesus restored the relationship. Jesus resolved the conflict. I say yes to Jesus. That's all that's required as we begin this life of surrender. 
And do you know who you are? You know who you are in your despair and in your frustration and in your isolation. You've been trying to do it on your own for too long. And the whisper of the Spirit simply says, yes, come. As you are, step into life. Step into Christ. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer out loud with all of us as we pray together. Just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you that you paid a price that I could never afford. You alone are my reconciliation. You restored my relationship with the Father. You resolved the conflict of sin in my life. I receive that now. Fill me with your spirit, with your love and grace. Forgive me for all that I've done. I'm yours now, every part in full, surrendered to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.